hovering over the skies of a post-Christian society, we have spotted a man with a donut in one hand oh. and rosary beads in another. Child, I'm about to whoop Satan's behind. He is boldly proclaiming truth and reason like no rigid Catholic ever has before. The David L. Gray Show begins now. Black Christian Marxism has ruined America. From Debbie Du Bois, from Martin Luther King Jr. to Jesse Jackson Sr. to Barack Obama to Cornel West to every other so-called leader in that community, all they have done since the Civil Rights Movement was to indoctrinate America into the idea that it is government, not God in His grace, that's the solution to your problems. It's not Christ in His church or His sacraments that can heal you, they tease you. Rather, it is the ballot booth, and specifically voting for Democrats, that can save you. Every election cycle is like a pass or event. If you just vote the way we tell you, we'll save you from Pharaoh. Nothing good has come um, along the way from the black Christian Marxism movement. It has destroyed every community it has touched, and the world been better off if people like James H. Cone, the father, a black liberation theology had never been ordained in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Now, does that sound extreme to talk about how problematic black Christian Marxism has been and why America would be better off if we would just bury it? If that sounds extreme, then we have to ask the question, why does that sound extreme when a child sacrifice talks about how bad white nationalism is, rather white Christian nationalism. You corrected me when I called it Christian nationalism and said white Christian nationalism. Why is that distinction important? Well, it's very important because you have, when you use the term Christian nationalism, you're by and large talking about the evangelical Protestant community in the United States and the vast majority of uh, Protestant evangelicals who are communities of color do not vote Republican. No, it's not black Protestants who vote for Democrats that are a problem, but white Protestants. You see, with Marxists, you're allowed to be a Christian as long as you're a Marxist first. As long as you pray to the government when the Democrats are in power and only call on God when the Republicans are in charge. It is white Protestants who fall into this category, evangelical, who are following Ron DeSantos. And it is white supremacist. It has a long history um, in the United States of, of, of creating, just as Anthea was saying, a view of what a leader is. And it's a white person. And underneath it, seeping into it, it's a white man. And it is always implicitly, if not bursting through the surface, explicitly racist. Sure. White Protestant men are the problem, but not black Protestant women. White supremacy is problematic, but black supremacy is not. Neither is the black matriarchal supremacy. And this idea that this idea of leadership being someone like Stacey Abrams or Kataji Brown Jackson or Kamala Harris, preferably childless, preferably single. But if not single, preferably not married to a black man. And a woman who strongly supports the abortion holocaust, which is the number one killer of black babies. Well, here, here's the thing with DeSantis. It's not just rhetorical, right? It actually, this idea seeps into his governance. Talk me through that. 
Well, yeah, it seeps into his governance because the way he thinks about the world is that God has put him in that place to rule over Florida. And so when you see this, when he's against trans kids and the don't say gay bill and all of this, this is part and parcel of what he sees his Christian nationalism to be. So when I saw that commercial, I just laughed because I was like, this is exactly who he thinks he is. He thinks that he has dominion over this earth and God has given it to him. And so it's very important to understand with the people who believe with Christian nationalism, like Ron DeSantis or others, they believe that God has given them dominion. And that dominion means they have dominion over everybody who doesn't believe in God, who doesn't think like they do, and that God created this nation for them and specifically for white men. White men are fine, as long as they're immoral, as long as they don't know how many genders there are, as long as they don't mind children being indoctrinated into sexual depravity, as long as they want to use women for sex without consequences. Listening to these people, you come away with the reality that it's not people like Ron DeSantis, a faithful Catholic, by the way, not an evangelical Protestant that's the problem. Rather, God's their problem. The, the problem is a society that still believes that there's something greater than humanity. The problem is people who believe they will be judged for their actions after their death. The problem is people who love God more than themselves. And that's my monologue. Let me know what you think about it in the comments below. Thanks to everyone who has supported my sponsor, The Saint Maker. You know, every time I get a notification in my email that someone with The Saint Maker and using the link um, below... To purchase one of their planners, subscribe for a year, I get happy because I know how much this Catholic Daily Life Planner has helped me focus on staying on a narrow way. The Saint Maker Catholic Daily Planner is a game changer. If it wasn't, I wouldn't endorse it. I encourage you to give it a try. Just for one month or like for just one book, which is like for the last, you know, for a quarter, last for three months, or you could get a year subscription. Either way, if you notice that you haven't had any improvement in your spiritual life, let me know and I'll refund your money. That's how much I believe in it. Try it out by clicking on the link below or use code David O. Gray at the checkout. Thanks again. You guys know I've done a lot of together. We've done a lot of Catholic mass nightmare reviews over the past two years. And I appreciate how much you all enjoy them, uh, how you guys always show up to watch them. And it's always really bad and mixed emotions, right? We laugh, we cry, we eat popcorn, we throw popcorn at the computer screen. But more common than mass nightmares are what I call homilies from hell. Homilies from hell could be a whole series in itself next to Mass Nightmares. For example, let's listen to this homily where the deacon goes full simp. If you don't know the word simp, if you've never heard of it, here's the definition. A simp is a man who excessively panders um, to women to demonstrate that they're their ally by telling them how bad men are and how bad they've been treated by some men and how they really understand what you're going through. You know, what I find is that women really don't like simps. Because women don't like being pandered to. Women like being respected. And they always seem to put simps in the friend zone. And 
from the friend zone, very few men ever get out because they try to simp their way out, which is kind of, you know, kind of counterproductive. But here is Deacon simping to the women in the congregation on a 31st, 31st Sunday in ordinary time at St. Joseph Parish in Seattle, Washington. And when I looked at it later on my phone, on top of my backpack, something mysteriously or miraculously appeared. The image of a white, broken chain link. You can see my poorly taken photos in the back. More importantly, somehow I knew I was being set free in a new way to do my part to rebuild the church. I was back from my trip for about a week, and I came across an email that was sent inviting me to join a call on discerning deacons, which is a national organization leading a discernment on ordaining women as deacons. Quite honestly, when I first heard about this group last year and participated in some calls, I was very cynical. Frankly, what's there to discern? I have worked with so many talented, faithful, gifted women over my many years who at least deserve the same opportunity as me to pursue their calling and receive the grace and the sacrament of ordination as I did. I mean, that, that's an interesting comment. I'll pause for a moment there because he's encountered women who are super talented, super smart, um, wonderful in the ministry that God has called them to be in. The, the, the logical leap, the conclusion that he makes there is because therefore they are worthy candidates for the sacraments of holy orders to be a deacon. Of course, in the sacrament of holy orders, you have three callings. You have bishop, you have priest, you have deacon. So it's, it's quite the logical leap there. And, and it sounds like a little bit about like meritocracy, like because of what you've done, because of the gifts that God has given you, therefore, 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 you are somehow um, a worthy uh, recipient of another sacrament. I mean, imagine if all the sacraments work like that, like you can earn a sacrament because of what you've done. That, that's just a, a, just a, a odd conclusion that he reaches there, but let's continue. But as we know, that door remains shut. Many women have left the church or maybe have one foot in the church, some seeking ordinations in other denominations. How sad and what a loss for the people of God. You ever notice that heresy always has some hubris attached to it? Like, like heresy and pride and disobedience all go together. So here, here's another illogical conclusion that he makes. Because women were, he's, he's encountered women who are super talented, super brilliant, brilliant, um, who wanted to be men, I'm sorry, who wanted to be priests. Um, and because they weren't able to, they therefore committed the act of heresy 
by abandoning Christ and his church and joining some other religious group like the old Catholics or the Anglicans where, you know, a woman can be ordained as a, as a priest. So, and he opines and he is, he is quite sad here, right? He has some sort of lamentation here, like, Oh, how sad that because of the mean Catholic church would not let them um, commit heresy in the church that they had to go elsewhere to commit heresy. Again, illogical conclusion, but let's continue. Well, I reached out to Anna Robertson. Anna's a parishioner here who recently joined the staff of Discerning Deacons. And I just wanted to share with her a bit of my story. And as we were talking, something shifted in me. I heard the call to rebuild the church in a new way. To use. So I guess he's like St. Francis now of Assisi. He's heard a call to rebuild the church. The difference with St. Francis of Assisi is that his call to rebuild the church was recognized that it was not his church that he's building. It was Christ's church that he's rebuilding. He was participating in the work of the master builder, who is Christ Jesus, the cornerstone, right? So, but here's this deacon, right? He wants to rebuild the church in his image, sort of like Pope Francis. You know, we have to admit that Pope Francis is, for the past nearly a decade, has been rebuilding the church in his image. So it's really just a counter way to approach ecclesiology and approach the path, the sainthood, that rather than go the way that every other saint has gone, I want to go my way. I want to rebuild things my way. I want to change the church from the inside rather rather than allowing the church to change the world. My position as a male permanent deacon to advocate for the ordination of women. As a male permanent deacon. So he, he acknowledges that he has some position of supremacy. He has some position of privilege, he might like to say, right? And so um, because he, he's in this position of privilege, it reminds me of people who always hear this from, uh, you typically get this from black women, you know, as a black woman, I feel that as a black woman, they always want to preface what they're, they're saying by some sort of biological accident, right? <laughs> you know, as, as, you know, as, as this, so he said, as, as a man, right, I have, have this sort of privilege and I'm now, I'm willing to share this privilege with women who are, I guess, beneath me, right? They don't participate in the same privilege. So um, I'm somehow superior to them. It sounds like, sounds like male superiority in a sense, right? Um, and so he wants to use his privilege as a man to raise up women. This, this is just simping. Like, like you've never heard sippy before. This is, this is what I mean. This is pandering to women, telling women how bad men have been. But uh, you know, as a man, I'm I'm different. I'm a different type of man. I'm not going to keep you down, woman. I'm going to lift you up, woman. This this is like this is like classic simp material. Let, let's let's continue. As deacons. Last week, I met with Lori Conway. Lori is the new director of clergy formation here in the Archdiocese. We had a wonderful, frank, honest conversation. I left feeling very inspired. 
In the recent synod report of both the Archdiocese of Seattle and the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops, it says in writing, the ordination of women emerged not primarily as a solution to the problem of the pre-shortage, but as a matter of justice. As a matter of justice. And this is not the church in a synodal dog document affirming that this is what true justice is. The synodal report is just reflecting this is what people think, that it's an injustice going on when only men are allowed to be deacons. Right. So again, that, that's that's rather interesting that he's going to jump off from this point of justice without really being critical of whether um, people's reflections are correct, whether it fits into the Catholic orthodoxy of what we understand justice to be. Justice in the Catholic understanding is just rendering the other person their due, namely from God's perspective, is rendering people Christ. Again, not because we merited it, not because we, we deserve it or merited Christ Jesus and his salvation and his death and resurrection, not because we've done something to earn it, but rather is a gift from God. Therefore, justice in its truest sense is just a gift from God. It's rendering us a due. Not because we merit it, but because rather because God loves us and that's what he desires for us. So, so we can say that uh, women are due the diaconates, the holy order, uh, holy orders um, as, as deacons because it's justice, because there's nothing we could do to merit holy orders or any sacrament. There's nothing that we, we've done to earn it. God does not owe us anything. So the idea that it's, it's justice being due to make women deacons is, again, it, it, I think it's hubris, and I think it's pride, and ultimately it's really just a bunch of simping. Of course, there's applause. Of course. Of course and just applause. a few days ago, we, re we received some great news from the Vatican. And yes, you heard me correctly, received great news from the Vatican. <laughs> A new 45-page document outlining the next steps in the worldwide synodal process that Pope Francis initiated. I love the title. The document is called Enlarging the Space of Our Tent. The report dedicates significant attention to the role of women in the life of the church, noting that it was a concern mentioned by every continent that submitted a synod report. Of course. Of course. And the document goes on to quote New Zealand's Episcopal, Episcopal Conference report, which states, the lack of equality for women within the church is seen as a stumbling block for the church in the modern world. Equality. Equality. So now we get to the root of what this is about, right? This idea that women, that the glory of woman is to be a man. This is what you see in society with the transgender movement. The, the height of woman is to be a man. That's it. 
you're not fully a woman unless you're a man. Unless you have, unless you could do exactly what men can do biologically or non-biologically, you are not a full woman. You're not complete as a woman unless you could be just like a man. This is what this is really about. They want this equality with men. This is just such an old idea that just won't die. So today, I invite you, I invite all of us to learn about discerning deacons, to start spreading what I hope is good news. I also invite any women, and I say this quite seriously, I invite any women who might feel called to the diaconate to please contact me. Together, we can discern how to proceed. Yeah, so I'll pause there. His homily goes on a little bit further. He started talks about talking about the movie Avatar, but he, he's essentially said everything he wants to say here. And then I'll, I'll play a clip from you here after this brief comment when they get to the creed. And you'll see what St. Joseph Catholic Church in Seattle is, is all about when, when once you get there and what, the simping that they're involved in, the patronizing and the way they disrespect women at this Catholic Church by telling them they're not good enough unless they're a man. They, they, just, they just don't respect the femininity in who God created the beautiful being with all her gifts and intricacies and oh, just what God did with woman. How just amazing she is as she is without trying to make her a man. They don't respect that. The gift of her femininity. And, and just, just to wrap up the point about deacons, I would say this, just one word of caution. Right? And the church moving in this direction. I don't oftentimes like to speak about, um, you know, the Pandora's box or opening up the gates or the slippery slope things. You know, sometimes those things are valid, but I don't know if that's a logical argument or not. Um, it's like a prophetic type of thing that may happen, may not happen. But I think ultimately it's just a word of caution here. I think it's a word of caution that we have to assign a lot of weight to because we have to recognize in 1855, the Anglican Catholic Church ordained women. That led to the ordain, ordain, um, ordained women into, into the diaconate in 1855. That was the slippery slope, it turned out. That was the the open gates that was the pandora's box that was the making you know allowing civil marriages between people would have saying the same sex you know is one one is never enough once you allow one thing those people you know you still have the women who want to be priests and they're going to feel like the deacon thing is just just the gateway to that it's not enough right so you you you, you just can't not open that door with people who are unhealthy and we're in an unhealthy church right now community. So again, in 1855, the Anglican church ordained their first woman into the diaconate. Many decades later, they began ordaining women into priesthood. It was just, it was just the gateway. Right? That, that's, that's how it began. And I'm under no, we should not, be it just shouldn't happen, all right? 
one we know dogmatically, women cannot be priests, Catholic priests. We know that just dogmatically, ontologically, it, it just cannot be. So it shall not happen. But to open up that door to the diaconate for women, it it just creates an unhealthy environment in the Catholic Church amongst unhealthy people, seeing women as deacon and wondering, hoping that a heresy may happen. It, it, making women deacons or dating women as deacons in the Catholic Church and, and within the holy orders is really an occasion to sin. That's what it's going to be. The second thing I do, uh, I'll say concerning this, women in the holy orders as, as deacons ordaining them as such, is really just a, 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 a point I'll, I'll make about, again, I would say the health of the Catholic Church, that men just need to step up. Healthy men need to step up. If there is some sort of, you know, the, the, you know, the report says this this is about justice and not about priest shortages and, and things like that. Well, we do have to admit that um, part of what's causing this is the fact that there's a priest shortage, and so if we had a healthy church with men respond uh, answering a call to holy orders. More men discerning priesthood. If we didn't have an issue of losing more priests than we're ordaining, then we people would see, okay, there's a healthy church. There's no need there, right? And, and so you wouldn't have this segment of population saying, oh, women can fix this. So we we just need men to step up. We already see the problem of having a matriarchal church with women being in charge of every facet of the church life is set for the um, presbyter, except for priest. Women are in charge of nearly every other facet of the church. And we see how that can be unhealthy, how the church is being feminized. So um, we, we, we definitely need a, a bigger balance there. Men stepping up in, in volunteering, men stepping up in ministries, men stepping up in discerning their call to holy orders, whether it's priests or deacons to religious life. Okay, so we just need men stepping up. And so this this idea isn't out there, but we can fix this by turning the Catholic Church into what we've seen take place in a lot of communities, in particular, like I was speaking about earlier, in the Black American community, where for the last 50 years has been run by women, has been destroyed. Not because women weren't capable or qualified, but because it's just imbalanced. Right without, without men. So that's the word there. So, but let's take a look. Um, so let's let's conclude this just by looking at listening to the um, Nicene Constantinople Creed on this thirty first Sunday in ordinary time at Saint Joseph um, Catholic Church in Seattle, just to see what what simping looks like. So together now, let us profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, 
true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for us. Not for us men in our salvation, as the creed says, with the with the council fathers uh, from from two councils, Nicaea and Constantinople, Constantinople affirm. No, not not what the church is taught. <laughs> but what what no, but what we say here. Not for us men and for our salvation, but for us. Can you simp any louder than this? That, that's the question. Let's continue. Our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became human. Oh, he did not become man. He just became human. Jesus didn't have a penis. <laughs> oh, he didn't have a penis. He didn't become man. He just became some 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 sort of human, right? Some sort of human, <laughs> just non-binary. God did not have a gender. He didn't even need to be circumcised because he didn't. He didn't have a penis. <laughs> Became you. This is simping one oh one. If you need a simping class on your own time, just come back and watch the full homily. Also. You'll learn what it means to be um, um, the deacon. Also, he later talks about in his homily, talks about people being seen. Everyone wants to be seen as if there's some sort of transparent people walking around. <laughs> Everyone just wants to be seen because everyone's prideful and full of hubris. They want to make it all about themselves. Right. It's just simping 101. Watch it in your own time. But that's my thoughts on the simping homily from hell but let me know what you think in the comments below hey guys make sure that you don't forget to tell jesus christ today how much you love him because he truly does love you and he's there for you but until then and until next time blessings and shalom to you and to yours <laughs>